Hey guys, Lucas here. Before you get into your super fun episode of Elwood City Limits, I just want to thank everyone for nominating us for the Best of Halifax Award, but the battle's not over yet. We still want to get into the top three because it's a big deal for us. Uh, uh, The podcast gets a lot of notoriety from it. We get a fun plaque and we even get invited to a cool party. So if you want all of those fun things for us here at ECL, just go to bestofhalifax.com and you scroll down to news and media and in the best podcast section, vote for Elwood City Limits. Thank you. Well, blow me down. Or rather, don't. Uh, Especially after the week we've had. My gosh. Um, Surprised we didn't get blown away uh, by the weather that Lucas and I have experienced here en route to this episode of Elwood City Limits. It's true, it was a little bit touch-and-go there for a little bit. We weren't sure if we were going to have uh, power in time to record this episode, but uh, lo and behold, uh, here we are. <laughs> so, I mean, we... Uh, by the way, this is indeed Elwood City Limits, uh, the episodic Arthur podcast, and we're, get, and we're getting the hurricane talk out of the way because myself, Will Young, and my co-host Lucas Mancini, uh, we experienced the wrath of Hurricane Dorian over the uh, previous weekend that we're recording this. And uh, this also leads into an email that we got uh, who were, uh, from one of our patrons, Christine Wong, who was wondering how we are keeping safe and dry during the storm. So let's talk about it. Uh, Lucas, So the, it hit on Saturday, September the 7th, and it pretty much lasted from the after, early afternoon to all day uh, throughout the night. When did you uh, first lose power? So, and you're, this is going to, listen, if there's any Haligonians listening to this podcast, uh, sicko mode warning, this is going to make y'all sick. Uh, I actually never lost power oh. during, during the hurricane. I was <laughs> out here in the Dartmouth burbs. Uh, we, we never lost power. And so in lieu of losing power, I, I just watched six episodes of Love Island in one day. <laughs> oh man living the high life well look at you i i also have to say that my the, uh, the, the only power i lost was the power of will to turn off love island is the, <laughs> is the power uh so i lost power um in the middle of the day saturday around one we were uh, my wife and i were watching uh letter kenny videos on youtube and uh yeah so we lost power we got it back at around the same time on Sunday. So we were just 24 hours without it. We were this close to going out to the movie theaters in Dartmouth Crossing uh, to uh, try and uh, charge our stuff at a local McDonald's and go see a movie, but we didn't even have to. We uh, just uh, ended up staying home. So you didn't even have to think about how you were going to entertain yourself uh, no. during the power blackout. Like we, we lost our power and then immediately just went to sleep. You were like, you ever lose power and you just immediately want to go to sleep? Yeah. Uh, you didn't. You didn't bust out the crib. You weren't playing any cribbage. We. I don't know where a lot of our like our card games are. It's oh, like geez. it's all. We, we're still in the state in one of our rooms of kind of moving in, so we don't really have access to like, you know, a lot of our car decks of cards and stuff like that. Like we have Risk, but that's not really a two player game. So we uh, use some of our. Uh, combined laptops battery power to watch a couple movies and uh, we read a little bit and that was uh, that was about it we, uh, we didn't we didn't have uh, we weren't without power for very long so uh, thankfully our hurricane uh, existence went as well as it could have and yeah, it th- seems like both of us had some pretty uneventful hurricane Dorian experiences but the city of Halifax didn't uh, there's no. uh, we uh, I shared this in the Elwood City Limits patreon group. Uh, there's a, there's a tweet out there of how long the Tim Hortons line was on Sunday, which is something of a Canadian stereotype proven true here. It was actually pretty annoying because they were blocking traffic that, uh, uh, some of the crews, uh, needed to, uh, you know, clear the debris and put power lines back up. And it's like, okay, guys, like get out of your car and go into the Tim Hortons as opposed to the drive-thru being wrapped down the street. Yeah, it's really not that hard. It was it was very annoying to see that. And then I think the other thing I'm gonna 
also uh, share this in the, uh, the in the Discord as well. There's a video of a crane downtown that ended up toppling over and hitting an empty under construction building. It's a really harrowing video to watch. It's like you don't you think those things only happen in movies, like in Spider-Man Three with all the cranes falling have you, over. Have you, have you seen the crane IRL yet? Have you gone and checked out the crane? No, I haven't had an opportunity. It's, I saw that you, you did self, that. Yeah, it's on the corner of South Park and uh, South Park and uh, Spring Garden. Uh, it's pretty crazy. They have to evacuate the area. Like thirty people are being evacuated for them to remove the crane. Man, yeah. So I, 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 I've seen it through people's pictures, including yours. Um, it just uh, even in pictures, just a real sight to behold. It's scary and i'm glad that nobody was hurt and nobody was in that building it collapsed on and they're evacuating the ones next to it so yeah um i don't think this was quite as bad at least literally casualty wise as uh hurricane Juan, which occurred here in halifax 2003 i want to say or maybe 2004 um but we i i don't i think we're still in recovery mode so we're gonna have to kind of wait and see some people are still still without power on kind of the yeah outer many reaches. people are without power yeah. So all the best to them. And uh, yeah, we've also been talking about storms on uh, the Discord too. So uh, thanks everybody for worrying about us. And uh, thank you for the email, Christine. We appreciate it. That's uh, over at Elwood City Limits at gmail.com. And speaking of our patrons, before we get talking about another episode of Arthur, we want to send a thank you to the following patrons. That would be Alex, Caitlin Harrington, Chander LaFave Boten, Christine Wong, who sent us that email, Christopher Ifill, Sierra S, Crescent Fresh, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Emily K, Froppy, and Ian Collis, Jake Bailey and Joe Sue, John DeLong and John Griswold. John's DeLong and Griswold. Kat, Kaylin Krogal, Kevin Noon, Kristen, uh, Leanne S, Light Relentless, Macy Ball, Michaela Gibson, Riley Stevens, Rob Ross Ward, Shayna Bennett, Stella, Teresa, and William. Patrons, your uh, your contributions are much appreciated, and they're going to be going to something really cool that uh, we are getting ready to reveal soon, but uh, not yet. We will tell you. We will tell you very soon, and we will tell our patrons first. That's for sure. Quick Tumblr thing, Lucas. I wanted to see what you kind of thought of this. So last on last week's episode, we were talking about Arthur characters as characters from Stranger Things. Now we got another anonymous ask saying, compare the Office characters to Arthur characters. Uh, hmm. Well, a brain would be Dwight. Uh, I suppose that Jim is is essentially an Arthur. I think uh, Jim's more of a Buster. To be honest with you, no, Buster's like too. Uh, I don't know. I like Buster too much to say that he's Jim. Uh, fair, fair. Uh, for me, Buster is clo- much closer to an Andy. You think? Uh, oh, mm, I like that assessment. So, would Ratburn be the Michael Scott in this situation? No, I I think uh, the closest character we have to Michael Scott is either like Mr. Haney or. Really, like Arthur's neighbor who does the cabbage sign is like the closest we get to kind of a Michael Scott esque figure on like, the I like show. Ha- I like Haney as Michael Scott. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm just trying to think uh, who would be Creed. Mister hmm. Morris. Mister Mister uh, Morris is too normal. I'm like I'm like, <laughs> who's the weirdo? I don't know. Bunch. I don't know if there's anybody who's that far out. In are you in like... a are you a big Office guy, Will? So I mean, I watched it when it was on TV. I think like from seasons two to the one where Michael left was I would like watch that weekly, and I had a really good time. And uh, yeah, so I've got I've got some love for The Office. Um, maybe not as much as. Uh, the people you meet on Twitter, but all the same, I'm glad that people yeah. have latched onto it. And uh, it, it might be one of those things for me where it's like uh, I'm a little bit sick of it all, to be perfectly uh, honest. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I completely understand that. I, I'm not not too much, but I I, I curate myself, so I don't see uh, the office content as much as I potentially could here on the internet. Uh, yeah, so maybe we'll t- maybe we'll talk about that. I you know what I'm gonna put that in the Elwood City Limits Discord. Uh, because I'd like to see people's uh, opinions on that one. So I'm going to do that as we record here. Uh, Yeah, so that's about it, really. Uh, We don't have as much to get into, so let's get into this episode. Uh, Lucas, we're starting off with Fern Fern and the Secret of Moose Mountain. 
And when I was first watching this video, I thought that it was a typo in the, uh, I've forgotten the name of the episode, and I thought there was a typo in the video we were watching, and I was like, oh, they must have just typed in Fern twice. But no. Uh, <laughs> no, not quite. And in fact, we become aware of why why this is right away, because, my God, it's a Tintin parody. <laughs> Have you ever seen uh, the uh, Tintin, the Spielberg Tintin movie? That's what was making me think about this is I don't really have a lot of experience with Tintin. I remember watching the, I don't know if it was a 90s cartoon or an early 2000s cartoon. I remember some sort of Tintin cartoon being on TV and kind of enjoying it. But I never read the original comics. And I do remember when that Spielberg movie was coming out, but I've never seen like a solitary second of that movie. Right. So Tintin is like a French comic series that did become an animated series. And later, the Spielberg movie, as you said, Lucas. So I actually watch the Tintin cartoon all the time. It's a, a, a it's a Belgian cartoon, um, and it's just about. It's kind of what what is Tintin? I think he's like a journalist or a photographer or something, and he just kind of goes on these fun, grand adventures with his friends, uh, Captain Haddock and uh, Snowy, his dog. And this is what they're trying to emulate here is that Fern is Tintin or in this in this case the Tintin character in uh, Elwood City is Zoot Zoot and um, um, do you think she, that uh, Zoot Zoot is uh, is he gonna riot is this like a cherry pop and daddy's kind of situation here I think it's more that they wanted to get a French swear in here did the uh, Quebec based Cinar company so I think Zoot Zoot is like Zoot, oh, like Zoot, Zoot Delores. Yeah, Zoot, Zoot in French is, you know, the equivalent of, like, damn or damn it. So it's like, damn, damn, and the Temple of the Condor that Fern's reading at the beginning here. Anyway, um, I was re- I was really blown back by this because I have good memories of watching Tintin with um, my sister when uh, we were young. And it was a very, like, fun and colorful show and very adventurous. It's just a really good thing. Uh, I guess for kids, and I, I've never read any of the comics, and I haven't seen the movie. I kind of meant to, but I never did. Uh, yeah, I, I, I am kind of curious about that movie. I feel like it must be pretty middling because I've never really heard anybody talk about it, and I usually like that sort of swashbuckling, you know, Indiana Jones, Uncharted adventure type fare, and that's what it looked like going up to release. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all of my experience with, uh, Tin Tin. Again, Zoot Zoot is just so... This is one of those episodes where you hear a lot about Zoot Zoot mm. in in this episode. Like, Fern says the words Zoot Zoot a lot, and all I can think about is that, that Cherry Papa Daddy song. Zoot Zoot Riot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I mean, I was I was tickled by this, and they, like, kick off immediately. So then I was like, oh, that's why it's called Fern Fern. Got it. Uh, so yeah, uh, Fern's reading uh, Zoot Zoot and the Temple of the Condor because she's way into these Zoot Zoot uh, stories. She's way into 90s swing revival. So <laughs> uh, they're at the base of this mountain. They're going to go on this big hike. And the them in question are Fern, um, uh, Francine, Muffy, uh, oh, I, Prunella. Prunella, and, and of course Jenna. Jenna. Um, and of course, uh, Francine's dad and apparently Francine and her dad, this is kind of like a tradition for them. They've made this trek many times. Francine's keen on setting a new record and everybody kind of has a different reason for wanting to go on this hike. Jenna's a little bit of a bird watcher. Uh, Prunella is into, uh, rocks and geodes and that sort. Muff, um, Muffy's kind of here because uh, she's actually. Why? Why is Muffy here? <laughs> ah, it's, she she wanted to be included. She's got a good line here uh, when they're kind of being talked to by the ranger about like all the different things you can find on the hike. She says, "I think it's time for you to expand your retail horizons." And she has this like gadget that she picked up from a place called the Sherpa Image, which I thought was also pretty funny. Did you know it's and it's like some kind of like location device essentially. It's, a, it's like just a like a GPS. Yeah, I yeah. think she even says it's a global positioning system. Oh, uh, and yeah, <laughs> Muffy's Muffy's caught the geocaching bug. Um, and also another funny line that Muffy has is everybody's kind of like Jenna's like, "What about birds?" And Prudella's like, "What about rocks?" And and Muffy goes, "What about shopping?" Um, and after which the uh, tour guide kind of directs her to the gift shop. Uh, and and, and, and uh, Muffy, once it starts <laughs> to dawn on her of uh, the situation she's in and that because um, she types in her uh, GPS where the nearest mall is and it's 27 miles away. Uh, Muffy kind of uh, asks, I can't remember if she asked Francine this or, Fer- or Fern this, but she goes, is there a place where the top of the mountain is closer to the bottom? Which is a very funny line. 
Uh, I also liked, and I don't know if you noticed this, that uh, when Muffy turns her global positioning system on, it makes the same startup noise that the Game Boy did. Oh, I did not notice that. That's crazy. The little, but yeah, it makes that it makes that little noise. I'm like, ah, that's a little nostalgia serotonin there. Um, but Fern is most interested in what the history of the mountain, and she asks about like all of these these really morbid scenarios of like maybe some. Um, pioneers like careened their cart off the mountain and their bones were buried in the soil and i loved it i love how morbid fern is she's yeah fern would be all about that that oak island mystery baby that's a great point oh yes she would um i've never watched that show though do they get into much of like you know bones and ghosts of children as fern does Sorry, would I be? Was I as into bones and ghosts? Is that what well, you said? no, no. Is, is is the Oak Island Mystery Show? Do they get into much about like dead people and stuff? Oh like yeah, that? oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It, I mean, Will, it's it's the, there's a curse. It's the curse of Oak Island. Oh, okay. So, so are there like are, are there people buried there? Like what's happening on Oak Island? Uh, I've actually uh, not seen this accursed Oak Island show. Um, uh, but I, I've heard pray tell of it cause it's, I don't know for our American listeners, the Oak Island stuff is actually a pretty big deal here because I think it's kind of world famous, but apparently there's like an ancient pirate treasure and everybody who tries to find it dies. So there's like, uh, apparently, uh, to this date, six men have died in their effort to find the treasure. So it's, uh, uh, between the pirates and the, and the curse, there's a, quite a bit of spooky bones and ghosts and death and, there's something to do with Shakespeare and Marie Antoinette's jewels, and none of it's real, uh, but it's very famous. Wow, I had no idea. Like I've been to Oak. I- have you? You've ne- I assume you've never seen the show. <laughs> no, never. Uh, I've just uh, been to Oak Island once, but that's a, oh damn, that's about it. <laughs> well, you lived to see. Uh, you lived another day because I, I guess uh, you weren't treasure hunting. Sh- you were merely uh, sightseeing. Uh, yeah, no, I guess I should uh, count my lucky stars here. Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, so it's uh, Francine and Oliver Frensky have made a tradition out of this hike, but Francine is very adamant that she is going to make this hike in uh, uh, she's going to best her previous time. And she really wants to get going, but everybody's paired up with a buddy. So she's paired up with Fern also love the line where Muffy says she's not contractually obligated to finish the hike and will enact her bailout clause if necessary. Well, well, will uh, Oak <laughs> Island isn't the only thing that's cursed. It's also this episode of Elwood yeah. city limits. Yeah, sorry everybody. I, this might sound a bit disjointed in the final, in the final mix, but uh, we're having some audio gremlins. So perhaps we were a little too, uh, a little too cavalier about uh, how how well we survived the hurricane. Exactly, uh, the and- hurricane, and I shouldn't have you know talked so much smack about those Oak Island ghosts. There's messing with the, the computer cables. Um, so like I was saying, I was kind of disappointed that we never got to see more of the Francine, uh, Francine's dad and Muffy dynamic in this episode because they kind of tease it at the start. Oh. Uh, and I thought it would be a really good pairing um, comedically, right? Because Francine's dad's so gung-ho about going off the mountain and Muffy's kind of the one that's most apprehensive and also, you know, humble beginnings and waste management and Muffy's kind of uh, uh, the rich uh, – her whole attitude, I thought they'd be a fun pairing with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, kind of this exchange at the top uh, about Muffy having an escape clause is kind of the only bit of that that we get. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. That really could have been, like, there's such there's such different personalities. It could have been, uh, that could have been fun. Ah, now I'm disappointed. Um, they, I, do, I do believe Muffy gets in a reference to those old Verizon commercials when she does the, can you hear me now? Good. You remember, remember those? I, I, I only I feel like I only remember those because of the parodies of them. I feel like I've never actually seen one of those original Verizon commercials because Verizon wasn't in Canada at the time of those airing. They're nothing much, but they are definitely ripe for parody. Uh, so yeah, Francine is paired with Fern, and she's uh, very, very much just trying to get up the mountain as quickly as possible. Fern imagines her as whatever the the Captain Haddock version of uh, in character in Zoot Suit is. Um, <laughs> there is a point where like Fern is just like, I have to use the wa- the bathroom and F- Francine's complaining to her dad. Fern needs to go to the bathroom. 
indoors. <laughs> uh, another part, uh, Muffy is complaining that when they stop for lunch, uh, she says it would take three hours for a pizza to be delivered. Yeah, man, I feel like uh, didn't even want to leave pizza to chance. I actually braved the storm on Saturday to get pizza and wine and popcorn for my, myself and my wife. So My, my friends that's... did the same. My friends actually went to a Leo's Pizza because they heard it was still open in the middle of the hurricane right when the eye of the storm was over this area. And so they mm. had clear roads while they were getting the pizza. But then when they were hanging out here charging their phones waiting for their pizza to be ready, I would let them know that because, you know, my dad works in the uh, – uh, he, uh, he works in, in the municipality – he was like, yeah, the roads are about to close, so they better – and they were like, oh, Kitty, can you tell your dad to keep the roads open a little bit longer so we can get our pizza before we are stranded? Uh, <laughs> Doesn't have that kind of power yet. The whole kind of rest of this episode is Francine and Fern's dynamic in that Francine is so uh, almost frantic at times of wanting to get up the mountain that she takes she ends up taking like a dangerous shortcut, and Fern is using her knowledge of the Zoot Zoot books – uh, to try and help them once they get lost. There's an interesting kind of different music theme that they use. It's like a mysterious kind of theme when they realize they're lost. But Fern is confident they that's she learned that in a Zoot Suit book that uh, water from a river flows down. So the more they follow it against the grain, then they will get closer to the top of the mountain. So that ends up working, but it doesn't work so well in other situations. It reminds this whole section reminds me of like the Blair Witch Project because first uh, Fern <laughs> loses she loses the map right the map blows away which is a big <laughs> point of contention in the Blair Witch Project and then another thing is when they follow the river and then they're like we were going in a circle and then Fern's like I kicked that map into the creek <laughs> I forgot about that it's, why does that guy kick the map into the creek it's so oh, stupid he, oh he's insane at that point he's just insane with delirium. <laughs> There was definitely like a cackling. There was like a weird rustling noise, but then there was definitely like a cackling over that. <laughs> I like that movie a lot, but <laughs> uh, I'm 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 actually I'm actually a little upset. I didn't think of that. That's a really good observation, Lucas. So they make it. Uh, they follow the river all the way down to the marsh. Yes, uh, like this this like swampy area, um, and then they kind of get into this argument about. Uh, whether or not, uh, because Fern kind of proposes something, and this I found a little bit out of character. You know, Fern is following these kind of zoot zoot uh, uh, survival tips to such a T that she proposes building a catapult to like shoot them over the mountain. Um, at which point, uh, Francine kind of freaks out at her and saying that like, okay, like this is real life. Uh, it's not a, a fake like Zoot Suit is. And it's as mean as Francine's being. And, and Francine really has been made out to be the villain of this episode because she's been mm-hmm. rushing for it has been generally rude to her at this up to this point. But I also kind of have to side with Francine on this one in that, you know, a, a fake adventure com. It, it was not but one episode last week where a we were getting told how unrealistic swashbuckling adventure comics could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I'm actually with Francine did that, like, listen, for, you know, just because the comic says it's a, it, it catapults the right idea and walking through this swamp is the right idea. It doesn't mean it actually is. Um, so she actually kind of had a point during this argument, even though Francine's been pretty unreasonable up to this point. I agree with you, but I think part of it is in the packaging of it, of just like, oh, here's Francine being a jerk again. So what I took away from this was that I was really happy that Fern is able to play the role of pushing back on Francine when she's being mean. Like, Fern, I, I, I agree with you that Fern's, you know, reasoning is kind of spurious, uh, especially when she says, like, we should catapult ourselves over the marsh. Um but I do appreciate that we have somebody with a dynamic with Francine where they're able to, like, be a little bit uh, competitive is not the word I'm looking for, but, like, confrontational, uh, especially because they're, they don't have much of a dynamic other than that earlier episode where Francine was making fun of Fern and then that kind of soured Fern on Francine a little bit, even though they made up at the end. So there is still kind of a little bit of... Um, uh, tension there in their relationship. So I kind of like how they built on that while they still kind of remain friends. 
Uh, like he's, and Fern gets stuck in the marsh and has Francine pull her out, and she loses one of her shoes in there. Uh, again, very much like a quicksand uh, type of thing. Another case of cartoons making quicksand seem deadlier than it actually is. It's like the tar pits in Sin City here. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't remember. This is not an original thought for me, but 90s cartoons, you know, had you thinking as a kid that quicksand was just like a regular everyday occurrence you had to be worried about. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and whether or not that's true, I well, I don't think that's I don't think it's true. We were just watching The Princess Bride over the weekend, which I got on Blu-ray, and there's a bit of uh, extraordinary quicksand in that one as well. Yeah, then they just kind of we do a bit of a montage of them like making their way up the mountain, and they get near the top and uh, get lost again. But then Francine re- notices a hawk. Uh, which which Fern thinks is a vulture at first, a buzzard, uh, and they and she says that we always see hawks, me and my dad, when we get close to the top of the mountain. So they finally get there. They find like a, a hawk feather and like a little piece of uh, what is it in the end, like quartz or something? It's like yellow quartz. Yeah, yellow quartz. I was gonna say I was like at first I thought it was like straight up gold just sitting on top of the path, and I was like, listen. First, you know that early season one episode makes you think that you're gonna find straight up dinosaur bones. Hmm. Uh, when you're sifting through the lake, and now Arthur's going to give you these unrealistic expectations that you're just going to be walking around and pick up gold off the ground. But luckily, it was yellow quartz was a little bit more realistic. This gives me unrealistic expectations that I'd ever be able to make it up a mountain. I climbed a mountain once. Did Gross, you? Gross Morn Mountain in Newfoundland. Oh, look at you! It I have not. Like, to... It took a. It took like this was a three-hour hike. That took like six hours. That was all Whoa. day long. Yeah, that's a that's a day. Holy crow! Not sure, not sure how interested I would be in doing it, but I feel like I could. It's just uh, the prospect of an all-day thing is not terrific for me. Anyway, I just hate physical activity. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so they do make it to the top of the mountain. The ranger from earlier on manages to find them, and Francine does get in trouble from her dad. But they kind of this is pretty much the end of the episode. There, like everybody's. Uh, kind of mad at them for ruining the hike for the rest of them, but then like Fern gives Prunella the quartz, and Francine gives Jenna the feather, and they kind of Fern makes this uh, zoot zoot like adventure story about their trip up the mountain. Just again, anytime it's like zoot zoot like adventure story, I'm like, okay, so she was wearing like she was dressed like she was Jim Carrey in the mask, <laughs> and um. But yeah, it's all, it all kind of falls into place. They just so happen to find the two objects that would sort of satisfy the people involved um, uh, as they get to the top of the mountain. So all is well in the end. Um, Muffy was still had some complaints. She was like, we were in the tacky gift shop the whole time. Well, usually does. So she probably would have found something to complain about either way. And that's pretty much the end of that episode. Before we move on to the second part, uh, let's take a little break here uh, with a word from us kids. Well, men. Word from us men. And now a word from me, Lucas Mancini of Elwood City Limits. Don't forget to chat with your Elwood City Limits pals on social media with facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits or at ECL Podcast on Twitter. We also have a Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com and an Instagram, at Elwood City Limits. If you want to send us a question, send us an email and get it read on the show at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can find the entire episode archive at elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com or on your favorite podcast service. If we aren't on your preferred podcast app, let us know, and we'll do our best to get on it. Thanks, as always, for supporting us here at Elwood City Limits. Now, back to the show. And we are back. So I was I was all about this from the title, at least. Uh, thanks a lot, Binky. And you're talking about being hooked right from the beginning. It starts with Binky watching wrestling. Uh, yeah, I was immediately like all about this. I was like, okay, strap myself in. This is this is like the episode already. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it starts off with Binky literally watching wrestling on TV, and so I wrote down everything I could about this for my notes. So it's Slam Wilson, who is like a giant dog in a what in a in a white tank top and an 
a um, a stars and stripes hat like Apollo Creed wears in Rocky Four. Well, he's dressed like Uncle Sam, basically. Yeah, exactly. And versus General Mayhem, who is another large dog who is in basically a general's uniform. Uh, so they, <laughs> the announcer is going over the ring announcer, who is also somehow the commentator, is going over how in their previous match, Slam Wilson used a filibuster hold, uh, not Which is our banned not, in seven states. Yeah, not our not our Patreon series, but no. uh, no, the the different the other kind of filibuster, and to win the match in like three hours and six minutes or something. I'm like, can can you imagine a three hour wrestling match? Didn't not, like not a uh, show, just a match. Didn't Austin Aries and like Seth Rollins like in ROH have like a crazy long match or something that was like that? That was or, more like, or, or was it Pac? Was it Pac? Someone had like a really, really. Long, let me see. So I'm gonna Google. You there, keep talking about the episode. I'm gonna Google longest wrestling match. So there's been several other like you know there's been like 90 minute matches and stuff like that. I think. Look up um, Chris Hero did like a marathon match that might have been like three hours, but it was like a a bunch of matches basically stitched together. And I think he was doing it for charity a couple. Yeah, of Yeah, there ago. was like all these run-ins and stuff. Yeah. So I mean, there have been really long matches, but this was just like okay, three hours for what? And I, I'm gonna. Oh, I, I was right. Okay, so it's 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 not Seth Rollins. It was Austin Aries and Brian Danielson in a 76 yeah. minute match. Which is still like pushing the boundaries. I think Trevor Lee was in a was in a really long match on the Indies a few years ago as well. But we're talking about like around ninety minutes, which in itself is like news was newsworthy. And and I'm just saying, like General Mayhem and Slam Wilson, they don't seem like the work rate type of guys, you know? Like I I can imagine I, I can imagine Slam Wilson after like five minutes grabbing a hold and being like, I'm gassed, brother. A lot of these are um, battle royals. Yeah, I'm trying to. I really now. I'm really curious. I'm at the top ten. Yeah, Chris Hero versus CM Punk, ninety two minutes. Yeah, they uh, they had a bunch of long ones. Now I'm curious about that Chris Hero one that he did. There's a, there's a Chikara sixteen man tag elimination that's one hundred and four minutes. Oh, he, he, here here we go. Here we go. Uh, so Chris Hero, uh, wrestling for three straight hours. Um, he yeah. wrestled an Infinity Gauntlet match in which he, he total went over three hours, competed in the match for the ALS Canada charity, and pledged to continue wrestling for 30 minutes for every $500 which was pledged. Whether Hero won or lost bouts during the gauntlet did not matter, as a new opponent would come out and Hero would continue to wrestle as long as money was donated. In total, he wrestled 17 matches. Um, he ended up uh, da, da, da. in total. Hero raised three thousand four hundred forty dollars, well above the goal. So okay, a three-hour match, but it's like it was like seventeen matches strung together or something. Also, so let's get into the match that Binky's watching here. Totally. Um, I think this is some Vince Russo stuff because it seems like it's a diaper match because it doesn't end until uh, I, I uh, what is it, General Mayhem? Yes. General General Mayhem gets put into a diaper, and that somehow is the end of the match. They do, they kind of they ring the bell, and that's it. Yeah, so it's like that crybaby match that Razor Ramon and the One Two Three Kid had on Raw in like 1995. Uh, there's a point where Binky's mom comes in, and he she's like giving him one of those trays of like a sandwich or something. And he just goes, "Mom, move! I'm watching wrestling." And I I felt very seen. <laughs> I felt very seen. Yes. And right after Slam Wilson wins against General Mayhem, he calls out Chainsaw Chuck and Max the Axe, the Timber Twins, who are also sitting in the front row, who are, are like lumberjack gimmicks. And he, he cuts a promo. He cuts a go-home promo he does. It's just like, I want to see you ne- like next week on the wild world of wrestling. And to which Binky goes, yes, sir, Slam Wilson. And that's literally the cold open. It's just Binky watching wrestling. This might be one of my favorite cold opens, and I'm completely biased when I say that. No, it's, I, I could watch a whole episode of this. I kind of wish it was just Binky watching wrestling. I just love what the writers, like, what they get right and what they get wrong about wrestling. Because it's not all completely inaccurate. It's just interesting, always interesting to see what the kind of public perception is of wrestling. So this would have been, like... 2003 so it was definitely not on the uptick like the we were past the attitude era so it was oh this was ruthless aggression era i don't know people were still the the ratings were still fairly high at this point well they're higher than they are now but also tv was in a bit of a different kind of situation the product was definitely not 
at an all-time high. This was peak Triple H reign of terror. Mm-hmm. And and this is actually this is actually the year I started watching wrestling. So <laughs> it's funny how last week on the podcast I was talking about how um, you know this is the last uh, this is the last season where I watched Arthur, and then I kind of stopped watching it, and then I guess I must have moved immediately after that to <laughs> wrestling. I traded one obsession We're- for the other. We go from this to something now for something completely different. It's uh, Rattles channeling his inner Rod Kimball as he's going to try and jump over ten bicycles, I believe. Yeah, Rattles Rattles on X Games mode. Uh, he even proposes. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, uh, he proposes doing a flip. Like at first, he's like, oh, "I'm just going to jump these bikes," and then he goes, "No, that's not even enough. I got to flip over these bikes." Because he's on he's on rollerblades. He's doing this on rollerblades, right. which I mean. God be with him. But Binky is very adamant that he's going to hurt himself. Uh, and, you know. Which is, it's funny to see Binky as the voice of reason. That's not a role we're used to seeing him in. Well, and as he says, I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. When uh, Rattles uh, encourages him to join We get two great, two great lines back to back. Binky says, I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. And then Rattles goes, greatness requires great risks. Ooh. Now that sounds like it could be on uh, Rattles' Instagram account. <laughs> yeah, my rattles my life be a movie for real. Um <laughs> only God can judge me now says Rattles' religious views on Facebook 10 years ago. Uh uh and then uh, Binky sort of has this imagination of of Rattles can you know severely hurting himself. Mm-hmm. And so rot with guilt he goes and gets Principal Haney. And listen, Will, I'm going to reason I'm going to level with okay. you here, okay? Yep. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real with you yep. here. You know, every once in a while I got to make it clear you know, we spend all this time. We're talking about a kids' show here. The show, this, the intended audience of this show is well under, you know, eight years old. Mm. So obviously, they're not going to be able to. You know, Arthur could get pretty nuanced, but they can't. They can't get nuanced enough where they can be like, you know what? Nobody likes a snitch. Snitch it ain't right. But I gotta say, as someone who, you know, has been known to watch a skaters versus haters video in my time, <laughs> uh, this is kind of her behavior for Binky here. Binky is exuding some herb behavior going on and telling on rattles like this, okay? When when Jaws tries to skate those steps that he, like, busted his ACL on not a year later that put him out of skating for eight months, and that French security guard tries to stop him from doing it again, and everything we know as the audience member is like, yeah, if Jaws tries to skate these steps again, he's probably going to tear his ACL again and, and cause himself. It's going to be a whole liability issue for whatever French building this is. You know, there's going to be some insurance problems. And also, it's probably not good for his well-being. It's like, you know what? Let him do it. Let him do it. It's what he's there to do. So and yeah. so I'm I'm team I'm team rattles on this one. All right. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that you got into that because that was something I was going to bring up. So, um. I'm going to put two contra- two contradictory statements here, and I hope you understand what I mean. I agree with you, but I also think Binky did the right thing. <laughs> and I say that as fully understanding that, yes, I'm a herb. I'm a <laughs> like I have I have snitch normie energy in me. Now, I now snitching. I, you know, I try not I try not to, but I have that, you know. I'm only I can only be so edgy. I'm really not edgy at all. So I saw this from the perspective of I appreciated that Binky didn't want to see his friend get hurt, which he surely would have. But I do understand where you're coming from of like it's Rattles's mistake to make and you know uh also how old is Rattles? Like what? Like ten? Not even. I'd say like this eight is or that n- is eight or nine. Prime. That is prime getting yourself messed up <laughs> doing stuff like this age. That's a really good, that's like, a good it, point. It, it would be even worse if Rattles was like 33. But at oh. 10 years old? Oh my god, let him do it. He'll be back he'll be back on his skates in like 2 weeks. Yeah, and there's something to be said about learning your lesson through making a mistake, which uh, I imagine many people uh, who have tried what Rattles has tried or wanted to try um had to do so like i said i i think i (laughs) i agree with what binky did but i also agree with what you say if that makes any sense i'm trying to play both sides of the field here because i don't want to be seen as a complete uh uh, cop you know listen i I, all i'll say is my favorite moment in the skaters versus haters videos is when the security guard gets the board from them 
and then uh the the they juke the security guard out and then grip the board back and then run away laughing and i'm like yeah you get them kids i can appreciate that but it's... <laughs> you 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 lived you you have escaped to skate another day well uh, well and i had a thing at work today where like somebody alerted me to the fact that there were a bunch of kids like i work in a parkade and it's like there's a bunch of kids like um going down the up ramps and almost getting hit by cars and like so i was and so I was like, oh, man, like, I don't want them to do that. But I also don't want to be the guy to be like, stop doing that. Because, like, mm. uh, it's tough. It's it's really coming to terms between my um, my adult self and my younger self. Did you uh, did you see mid 90s? Yes, I did. Remember that part where he falls on? Yeah. The uh, the park bench. Yes. Think about how much better his life got after that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know if that's the... He's he's out here making out with, like, 14-year-olds oh. when he's... No, he's, like, 13 out here making out with, like, 16-year-olds. You know, he's hanging with the cool kids. He's got a good network of friends. Sure, he's he's bleeding all sorts out of his face. Sure, he was, like, severely injured, but I'm just saying... I'm just saying... I'm glad that you can see both sides to this story here, Well, I can also kind of see it from your perspective, but... I'll be damned if I'll be caught exuding her behavior. Lucas, I think you might have watched that movie wrong. <laughs> Biggie gets called into the principal's office by Principal Haney, uh, along with Rattles. Um, and then Biggie's already regretting his decision because even though he didn't do anything wrong, Mr. Haney's got to get his statement too. And Biggie's lamenting that wrestling is on in 20 minutes. Which I, I, I think I appreciate this more more than anything because it's like all he wanted to do was just like help his friend and then and then kind of just go like just go away like just be left to his own devices now that he's having to be like responsible and all this kind of stuff it's like binky's not a like a goody two shoes or anything it's just like he was concerned for his friend and now he's being made out to be this this the snitch so i uh which he may or may not be uh, I, I'm glad we were able to have this discourse uh, relatively relatively sanely. I know that people have very I, strong I, opinions when it comes to snitching. Uh, I will say this, that uh, Binky almost wins me over to his side uh, with his vocal delivery of the line, but I saved your life. <laughs> He's got like this exasperated, like he like almost yells it. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he, I believe he says that later. So yeah, he gets home too late for wrestling and... When they get there, Slam Wilson has already defeated the Timber Twins. It was such a wild match that even the announcer took a bump. He's got like the chair over his head, so he, and he's like he clearly like it's it's like the Simpsons like whoa they'll never let us show that one again, kind of kind of gag. And Binky's very upset, and he says to his mom that you know Rattles called him a like a tattletale or something like that, and. You know his mom. His mom gives him this weak sauce advice of just like, I bet deep down he's glad that you uh, that you stopped him, and and even though he may not say it, uh, you know he's really thankful that you did that. And it's immediately followed by Riles being like, No, I'm not thankful deep down. You like you ruined that for me, and I got detention. So I I I appreciated Riles immediately refuting that bad that bad advice from Binky's mom. Yeah, it's good comedic timing there. And then uh, we kind of get, we realize that Bicky's in search of a thank you. Hence this episode's namesake. Uh, Bicky's on the hunt for some recognition. You know, he goes around, he uh, uh, starts picking up trash. He picks up litter. Mm. Uh, he mows a vacant house's lawn, like a house that's for <laughs> sale. And he doesn't realize that it's for sale until after he's mowed the lawn. Uh, he He's doing all sorts of good deeds. He offers to... Uh, do the dishes for his mom, but then he kind of misunderstands what that entails and does one dish. And then when his mom <laughs> uh, asks him to do the rest of the dishes, he kind of freaks out. He's been pushed to his limit. Uh, and he says that's the last nice thing he'll ever do. Which I can I can appreciate Binky's position. Uh, I mean, I don't have to be thanked for like every single thing that I do, but it I really do appreciate when people do that. And it does bug me when I do something for somebody that's, at least of some somewhat of a significance and then they don't say anything that that does bother that does bother me or i let that bother me uh so i understand where binky's coming from here so he decides that you know he's not going to do anything else nice but he's immediately visited in his dreams question mark by slam wilson on like this sweet undertaker hog 
Uh, yeah, it reminded me of like when Undertaker was Biker Taker, and I think this is at one of the WrestleManias, and Jerry Lawler's like, I, I sure wish Taker was down there with our troops in Iraq kicking some ass. Oh, um, oh God. I, I, think, uh, I, think that's Res- I think that's WrestleMania 19. I remember, yeah, it's like, I think it's Jim Ross, actually. He's just like. Oh, really? Like, un- like Undertake- Undertaker wearing, wearing old glory, just like down there with our troops kicking ass in Iraq. Like, oh, oh 2003. My God. Oh, my Lord. Uh, that's funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then I realized that this episode's essentially, it's a wonderful life, but with Binky. I did not see so, this episode taking this turn. It essentially turns yeah. into that and then, like, kind of a clip show because they use, like, actual clips from other episodes as they go to, like, uh, they do like a bike tour of Binky in moments in the series where he's been nice, like including letting the butterfly go in that uh, in that episode, and then like him picking up trash or playing clarinet in the park. Um, and he also takes him to what Rattles would have what would have happened to Rattles if he hadn't done anything. So with the with the benefit of foresight, uh, Rattles is in a is in a full body cast. So Binky saved him from basically being in traction. Uh, oh yeah, the the scene with Rattles in the full body cast is like when Rattles is like, "Nurse, I have an itch." So yeah, it's very it, it's a wonderful life in that we kind of see like, okay, if Binky was removed from the situation, you know, how would this go? And so you know, Rattles is is uh, incapacitated from head to toe. Oh, what what else? What else? I didn't write down all the different situations. Well, and I like how Binky, like, he tries to help him, but he's, like, something of a ghost, and he just kind of lords it over Rattles. I So I appreciate that. And then Slam Wilson takes him to someone who's never, ever gotten a thank you, despite working day and night, and it it turns out to be Binky's mom. And yeah. this, man, this episode really took a wild, a wild route to get to be nice to your mom. Well, so this part of this episode is actually the only part I remembered from this episode, and this is one of my legendary, like, this is one of my all-time favorite Arthur visual gags. Okay. Is, so, Binky's house is in complete disarray because his mom doesn't do any of the chores anymore uh, in this hypothetical situation. And she's uh, walking out with her dad, with Binky's dad, uh, to go on another, uh, yet another cruise Another cruise? Uh, and, uh, when Binky asks why he can't come along as well, she says, uh, there was only enough money left in Binky's college fund for two tickets, which is a very funny joke. But then the real kicker is when Binky's like, what am I going to eat? I don't know how to prepare food. She says, help yourself to anything in the fridge. Of course, there's nothing in the fridge. And so Binky is resorted, resorts to pouring a raw pancake powder down his throat. Well, and I think the, the implication is that he thinks that that's like, there's actual pancakes in there and he doesn't realize that you have to actually make Make them but it's a very funny visual so i don't disagree that this is funny but there's a moment there's there's a turn here where like i became very aware that even though this is like it's a, it's a dream obviously this isn't really happening i'm like this is just child neglect and i don't find it terribly funny like it goes i think it goes on a bit too long and just like okay i get it it kind of wallows in binky's misery a little too much and i'm like the this doesn't... I don't know. I just found it like the part, like the line about the the going on a cruise on his college fund. It's like I just found it cartoonish. Oh sure. As opposed to like they're not feeding their son. Yeah, uh, no, abs- especially like Binky's mom shades. Yeah, no, I I think I think you're right, and I think it's just really me that I was like a little uncomfortable with it. It reminds me like I compared to something like that fantasy that DW had where her mother was like, you remember the Kate is a baby, a baby, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like th- that one, it's just like mom would never act like this. It was just DW's trumped up imagination, and uh, it, that was just a little bit more over the top for me. And this is just like uh. Ugh. Not over the not over the top enough, but still, like you're right. It is, it is, it is funny if you're into that kind of thing. So Binky realizes the error, the error question mark of his ways, and uh, makes his mom a card the next day. That's it's it's literally like he just makes a butterfly card and is like, "Dear mom, thanks, love Binky." And then he goes to bed to end off the episode, and is just like, "And thank you, Slam Wilson," as he hears like a motorcycle outside. That was weird. Like, uh, okay. Wh- what do you mean? It's it's like it's like it's a wonderful life. I don't know. It's like it's or or a Christmas Carol, right? Biggie's at his lowest moment. 
he realizes that not everybody gets a thing. Like, he's not the only one who's not getting a fake. You, a lot of people do some fakeless stuff. And then he kind of realizes the error of his ways. I guess so. But I really like, and I've seen this episode before, like way back. And I just did not know where it was going. And then it got there. And I was like, oh, okay. Like it's, it just seemed like a weird, like I said, a bit of a weird route to take. Maybe, but I'll talk about that a bit more when we uh, run down our thoughts on the episode overall. Lucas, Fern Fern, and the Secret of Moose Mountain. What did you make of that? So uh, I, I liked uh, Fern Fern and the Secret of Moose Mountain. Um, I always like when we get to see that kind of group of girl characters. Fern, like that whole squad of uh, 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 Fern and Jenna and, and Prunella. Um, I, I like, we get so much Arthur Buster brain. Um, that it's, it's nice to see that squad represented. Um, I thought that, again, I, I like the setting, like all the mountain backgrounds and stuff is really beautifully done and like well drawn. And it, it kind of makes it, like you said, you're not even one to hike and it kind of puts you in the mood of going into a, going on a hike. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I actually don't have anything overtly negative to say about the episode. I thought it was enjoyable enough, but I do think it was a little bit of a, and this is a little bit unfair on my part, but a little bit of a squandered opportunity in a couple senses. In one, like I said, I like seeing stuff from those girls and it really is only Fern and Francine for the majority of the episode. And I would like to see a little bit more of the other girls, uh, Jenna and Prunella, and especially, like I said before, the idea of Muffy interacting with Ferd's dad, maybe a handful of cutback to them on their adventure would have got a long way, I think. Um, but And I also think, in a sense, Fern is wasted a little bit, in that she kind of, her whole character in this episode is simply that she uh, is relating to this hike through her, her fandom of this Zoot Zoot character, mm. and I'm not sure. It, it just was kind of a little bit one note for Fern, who I think we've come to expect a little bit more from. Um, and maybe it's just because Zoot Suit's name just reminds me of that awful Cherry Papa Daddy song, and that just gives me a wholly negative feeling. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, all that being said, it sounds like I'm being really negative on the episode, but I really don't have that much bad things to say. It's a perfectly fine episode in its own right. Okay. I'm, I think I'm a bit more positive on it than you are. It's I'm still a little bit like in on the top of the middle, if that makes sense. Um, I guess I was really enchanted by the fact that it's basically an extended homage to Tintin, so I... I, I I personally like that, but uh, I like you said. I always appreciate more focus on Fern. We love Fern over here on Elwood City Limits, and I liked her dynamic with Francine. I think it was a little bit different than we're used to seeing with uh, uh, Francine centric episodes. But yeah, I didn't have a lot of notes about this one because it's pretty straightforward. It's just kind of their adventures getting up the mountain, and it's it's pretty good. It's nothing super special, but I liked the kind of different approach they took to it in kind of emulating uh Tintin with Zoot Suit and I love that, I love that you got, you can't think of it without thinking of Zoot Suit Riot that's really funny to me uh and yeah no I just really appreciated for an episode and I loved the little the little bits of her character that came through it's like she loves to read uh and she's really really she she's just a pro little proto goth so this kind of uh endeared me a bit more to her and I really wish that she would be around more so yeah I thought it was pretty good now I really liked talking about thanks a lot Binky but I don't know if I liked the episode and a lot of it has to do with what I mentioned before about how the episode starts with like Binky is essentially you know we get we got into the whole like snitching thing and just like well like was he right to do that or was he not right and then his mom's kind of a background player through the whole thing. And then it's like, well, Binky is upset that he isn't being th- is, is he, he isn't being thanked more. Um, and then that leads into, well, this weird fever dream he has where he is being thanked or like what would happen if he wasn't around and like all the nice things he does and then be nice to your mom, Binky. So it just felt like I was getting kind of whiplash in all the different ways we were going. There were like funny bits here and there of just like, you know, what Binky has to add to an episode or uh uh or rattles, mind you. But I don't know. I at the end of it when he just does like the the like this crappy little card that just says thanks and then he just hears the motorcycle outside and I'm like that could literally be anything. Uh it's like I just yeah, this 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 didn't do much for me, and it's, if it had ended stronger, I might have felt better about it because there are some fun parts here and there. But I don't know; I really wasn't feeling this one. 
Interesting. I think this might be the first episode in a couple of seasons that we're, we're truly divergent on, because I kind of loved Thanks a Lot. Wow. Okay. Uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I mean, the extended wrestling open is actually really long. Like, there's a <laughs> lot of front-loaded wrestling stuff yeah, don't, in this. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Then, I loved that. And then we immediately go to Rattles about to injure himself, which, let me tell you something, Will. I've watched a CKY video or two. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I've, I've, like I said before, I'd be, I, I'd be watching the Skaters versus Haters YouTube channel. <laughs> so this whole situation is like right up my alley. Um, and then of course, like the fact that Bicky is anxious about like the other added element of like, oh, he doesn't want to miss the wrestling as well. Um, and then like when it comes to the dream sequence, I am also a sucker for you know I love it's a wonderful life and I love uh, a Christmas Carol. I'm a sucker for that whole like I'll show you, like a character who is sort of wrongheaded and then they're kind of shown the error of their ways of like okay here's the worst possible scenario here's what the world would be like if you weren't around and I I think it's less so that the the moral of the story is you know be nice to your mom and it's the moral of the story is and this is something I think you know. This is something I, I wrestle with, let's say, in my professional life uh, pretty co- consistently is that just because uh, uh, you do something good or do something nice uh, doesn't necessarily mean you're always going to get recognition or a thank you for it. And so um, I think that's a very common, especially as a kid, you know, you do a good job. You you want to receive that positive reinforcement. You'll want to receive that recognition. But in the adult world, that's not always the case. Uh, and I think that uh, Biggie truly did not realize that other people are walking around. Like, I think Biggie was thinking about this in the sense that, you know, I'm the only one who's not getting a thank you who does nice stuff. Everybody else is, is not acknowledging that I'm doing all this nice stuff and I'm not getting a thank you. But I think the mob example is less generally be nice to your mob, and it's more so, you know, look, your mob does this stuff all the time and, and she doesn't get a thank you. Um, so you're not the only one. And so I, 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 I didn't mind the ending as much as you did, and I also will admit that I do have a soft spot for that whole fake situation where our Bicky's parents are literally spending his entire college fund to go on a cruise uh, and leaving him with zero food. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I really, really enjoyed this episode. Well, I'm glad that you did. It seems that you and I got more out of the opposite episode because of what we brought to the, what we were bringing to it. It's just like I appreciated a bit more like the uh, the Tintin overtures in the first one, and you ha- you were a bit more into like skating culture and CKY and that kind of stuff. And I think that kind of informed uh, you a little bit. But I, I I can see what you're talking about. It just kind of didn't land that way for me. But I'm glad it did work for you. It really fe- it it doesn't feel good for me to bag on a Binky episode. So I'm <laughs> glad that it worked for one of us. All right, so we're going to get on out of here. That's it for another episode of Elwood City Limits. Thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we're happy to be doing this regularly. Next time here on the show, we're going to be keeping it going with Arthur's Snowbiz and Bugged. So we're going to be finding out exactly what's going on in those ones. It feels like it's – I kind of just realized that Arthur wasn't really in any of these episodes. That which which isn't rare, but it's also like, huh? Yeah, I feel like we haven't gotten seen much of the old guy so far. So maybe it's time we get back to uh, get back to things. Like I said uh, earlier in the show, uh, yes. Oh, and before we go, I think uh, you know this. If this episode drops on Friday, mm. as it usually does, uh, this will be your last chance to hear from us before voting closes for the Best of Halifax Awards. I know we talk about it on the top of the That's show, right. but I cannot stress enough: this is the last chance. If you're a listener of the show and you want to support us, um, and you you don't you know, I know that not everybody has the money to donate to the Patreon. That's one way to support us, but mm-hmm. the best way to support us that doesn't require any money at all, just requires a moment of your time, is to go to bestofhalifax.com. Uh, go down to news and media and vote for Elwood City Limits to be best podcast. Uh, I cannot stress enough that it might seem like a, a silly, simple gesture to win, you know, the Broads Best Podcast Award, but it really does mean, I can't speak for Will, but it, it means the world to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I would love to be able to go to that fun party with Will that you get to go to when you win and all that stuff. Uh, and it's a great way to support the podcast and get it in front of more people as well because, you know, they talk about it in our local newspaper. I agree with Lucas. Um, it would mean a lot to us, and it has meant a lot to us already that you have nominated us for a second time. And- and uh, that we're in the running once again. So y- I literally put that on my resume. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Two-time two nominated Best of Halifax Coast winner. It's on my LinkedIn as well. So 
it, it, it actually impacts my life more than you might think. <laughs> uh, yes, and that's until this Sunday, the 15th. So please uh, vote if you haven't yet or vote if you still can. And we really appreciate all of the effort you guys have gone to. We really do. And we hope that the next time you hear about Best of Halifax, it will be uh, that we that we placed. So fingers crossed and uh, thank you very much. All right, so that's going to do it for Elwood City Limits, and we've got some fun stuff coming up this month. Uh, I really can't wait. We really can't wait to reveal it all to you. So until then, my name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini. She has to do all that stuff. She's my mom. We'll see you next time.